0: Might.
1: trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know the saith the Lord Jesus Jesus Jesus, how I trust him how I've proved him all and and all
0: Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust in
1: Lord. Yes, it is sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust.
0: My strength when I am weak, you are the treasure that I seek, you are my all in all seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord to give up I'd be a fool, for you are my all in all Jesus lamb of god worthy is your name jesus lamb of god worthy My sin, my cross, my shame Rising again I praise your name For you are my all in all When I fall down you pick me up When I am dry you fill my cup You are my all in all
2: Could we go back to Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, just the first verse there? You know, I I love these songs. Every once in a while it'll come up and it'll say, public domain. (laughs) I don't know if you noticed that or not. And, you know, that just means that it's been around so long that there's really no copyright to it anymore. But there, a lot of these old songs, has anybody ever heard a song just like on a show or something? And it's just an old hymn, and sometimes they don't even fit in the show that they're on. But it just become part of the culture to, to hear those songs. You know, I, I like this song, and, and, and it's part of our culture, right? <laughs> you know, this ideal of trusting in Jesus is something that's meaningful to us amen? <laughs> and it, it should be not just words that we sing, but maybe a prayer that we have. And and so I think it'd be, you know, you can pray in all sorts of ways. And instead of us, instead of me leading you in a prayer, I just want us to sing this first verse as a prayer. Uh, you know, can, can we trust God with whatever we're going through tonight, whatever circumstances you came carrying into this room, whatever the week holds in store for you, whatever the word holds in store for you, if, if God calls you to respond uh, to Brother Moore's message today, can, can we trust him enough to believe that if he's called us and we trust him, there's life and hope in that? And, and so we're going to pray just a little bit different, and you, if, if you have to close your eyes to pray, you probably know the words of this song well enough uh, to, to sing them without seeing it. But, but we're going to do this as a prayer. And uh, go ahead.
1: Tis so
0: sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know The saith the Lord Jesus, Jesus How I trust Him How I proved Him All and all Jesus, Jesus Precious Jesus Oh, for grace to trust him his Amy. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him how I've proved him. O'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus. Precious Jesus, oh for grace, to trust him
2: more. Lord, may that be true to us tonight. May we truly trust you. May we truly be thankful for how you've worked in the past. And Lord, as you move tonight, may we be responsive to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm recruiting ushers again. Joe Case, you look good, yeah, okay, Art, and there's Harold, Charles, that was good, he gave me the two thumbs up, I hope that was positive. I've said this before, but it's one of my favorite lines in the church. Mike Dennis says, if you don't like organized church, come to our church. We're as disorganized as they get. Lord, bless this offering. May it be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Your kindness leads me to repentance. Your goodness draws me to your side. Your mercy calls me to be like you. And your favor is my delight. And every I'll awaken my praise and pour Your kindness it leads me to repentance and your goodness it draws me to your side your mercy calls me to be like you and Lord your favor is my delight so every
2: Well, it's been worth it to, to come to Revival just for the offertories, and uh, tremendous job, Amy, tremendous last night, Vicky, and then Ryan's family, Sunday night, just been a great week. Well, let's uh, welcome Brother Moore, we've had a great day together, or lunch together, and I'm excited for tonight. Let's welcome to this morning,
3: this evening. Well, well, welcome back. You know why I think you're here? I think you care about your personal spirituality. I think you care about the corporate spirituality of your local church. And you've given time, priority to this evening when there are other things you could have done or other places you could have gone. And in his kindness and his predictable faithfulness, the Lord is meeting with us again. And he'd like to talk to us from his word. Would you bow your heads with me and invite him to speak to your heart? Father, we appreciate the privilege of being in your house again. We ask that one more time you'd cause your Holy Spirit to bring to our awareness new insights from the scriptures and enable us to walk in new light. We claim your promise. You told us if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given. And we admit, Lord, that we lack wisdom in knowing how to optimally live a holy life in this kind of world. You know the society and the culture outside of these walls that we deal with daily. You know the direction of our country and of this world. And, Father, you alone know how many days remain before it all culminates According to your plan and purposes. Use this service tonight to hit us further steps forward in complete cooperation and compliance with your plan for us. And help us to drop our guard and relax our defenses and simply say a quick yes to new coaching by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the progress in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Sound Booth, folks, I'm getting a real buzz back here. Can you hear it out here? Can you locate it? Can you fix it? Okay. I heard about a young adult lady who bought a brand new red sports car. And on the first Saturday she was off work, she took it on a very exhilarating test drive in the hill country outside of town. As the story was unfolded to me, she... Put the pedal to the metal and test the car's agility in every tight turn. She was having the time of her life with her new expenditure. But to her shock, she came around a bend in the road and noticed that evidently a farmer in that rural region had negligently allowed a pig to get out of the pen. And a pig was standing right in the middle of her lane. And she swerved dangerously to the left, barely missed the pig. Almost lost control and nearly rolled the car in the left side ditch. She hung on for all she's worth. She overcorrected. She went clear across the road and almost rolled in the right side ditch. She was still hanging on as she got the car back in the road. Only to her shock, around the next bend came a farmer and a pickup truck. They almost had a head-on collision, barely missed each other. And as they narrowly passed, she yelled out her window, Pig! And he yelled back, Cow! Cow! And he went around a bend and ran over the pig. What she was saying was not what he was hearing. Did you know your perspective makes a big difference? Your viewpoint, your angle of observation, your perception of reality, I mean you ever seen anybody set up dominoes on end in close proximity made a big old long chain Did you ever watch above the first one and see the predictable unavoidable chain reaction of each one fallen that's the way it is with perspective perspective affects our thoughts thoughts affect our attitudes Attitudes affect our behavior, and behavior affects conclusive bottom line end results. Pig, cow, how you see the situation is highly determinative because perspective affects our thoughts, thoughts affect our attitudes. Attitudes affect our behavior, and behavior affects end results. If you have an undesirable bottom line end result, look behind that and you can find a wrong behavior that influenced that end result. If you find a wrong behavior, look behind that and you can find a wrong attitude that influenced that behavior. You find a wrong attitude, look behind that and you can find a wrong thought process that formed that attitude. I'm convinced all an attitude is, is the gelling of habitual thought life. You want to change your attitude, you got to change your thoughts. You find a wrong, erroneous thought process and look behind that, and you can find an initial mistaken perspective pig, cow. There's biblical evidence of that truth and a familiar miracle story. This is the only miracle story that shows up in all four gospels. It's familiar to all of us, we've been through it before many times. Give me some patience and tolerance and let's take a fresh look at a familiar passage. Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, at verse 34. Mark treats the story of the feeding of the multitude a bit differently than the other Gospel writers. He shows us a vivid and stark contrast between Jesus' perspective and the disciples' perspective. So let's take a new look at a familiar passage. Mark 6, 34th verse. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him, This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. I would be a bit surprised, but that's not the first time you ever heard that story. If I were sitting where you are right now, I would be tempted to silently muse, Oh, man. What timely, relevant, helpful insight are we going to get tonight from such a familiar Bible story? It's a good question. Let's take a look. Jesus' perspective is detailed at verse 34. Mark writes, no doubt as an eyewitness, he says, when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. I've been to the spot where this is said to have historically occurred, if you can believe the tour guides. And the Sea of Galilee hugs the shore and makes a little cove. And the hillside descends down to the water at a gentle slope on the right side and on the center and on the left, makes a real nice natural outdoor amphitheater. In my mind, it's not too hard for me to imagine Jesus move one leg after the other over the side of that fishing boat, probably sunk knee-deep in that shallow water. If I listen closely enough in my imagination, I can hear him slosh and crunch his way to the shoreline. It's not a sandy beach like South Florida or Southern California. It's a rocky, pebbly, gravelly kind of a beach. And as he sloshed and crunched his way to the shoreline, it would be natural for him to lift his head and scan the crowd that had already begun to cluster themselves on the grassy hillside. Mark says when Jesus landed, he saw visual perception, a large crowd. Next statement is, he had compassion. Check this out in the Gospel of John. There's a different verb there. He felt compassion, indicating a nearly simultaneous interior emotional reaction to his visual awareness. He saw a large crowd. He felt compassion. The next detail in his perspective, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Perspective affects thoughts. Thoughts affect attitudes. Attitudes affect behavior. Behavior affects end results. He saw a large crowd. He felt compassion and concluded, whoa, these folks are like sheep without a shepherd. Did you know we treat people consistently with how we view them? If you have a perception he's a snake, you treat him like a snake and you stay away. If you have a perception, she's a skunk. You treat her like a skunk and keep a safe distance. We treat people consistently with how we view them. He saw a large crowd. He felt compassion and concluded, these folks are like sheep without a shepherd. You know, I mentioned I'm now in my 37th year of full-time itinerant evangelistic preaching ministry in the Church of the Nazarene. And I've been in a lot of churches. Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. I've been in some churches where I got the idea the pastor viewed them as mules without a plow. (laughs) We treat people consistently with how we view them. So what? Jesus saw a large crowd, he felt compassion, observed them as sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them many things. That could be accurately translated. Since he saw a large crowd, since he felt compassion, and since he viewed them as mules, sheep without a shepherd, therefore he began teaching them many things. Jesus jumped immediately in the middle of need-oriented, helpful, caring, teaching ministry, directly connected to where he's coming from and how he perceived reality. The disciples are coming from a different direction. Their perspective is detailed in verse 35. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. We don't know how far, but the context bears the idea that there's some noticeable degree of distance between where the disciples had gathered and where Jesus was teaching because Mark is deliberate in giving ink and paper to the issue is that the guys had to come to him. And the context also bears the hint that before they came to him, they had an impulsive committee meeting on the side of the hill. Verse 35, By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. And their unnamed spokesman said, This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late the hint is that that's not impulsive conversation it was the result of previous conclusions i think they had an impulsive committee meeting on the side of the hill i don't know who called the meeting my first guess would it be peter i only say that because he's highly verbal and proactive <laughs> somebody called the meeting johnny come here tom matt get tom somebody noticed you know we're a long way from town yeah somebody said it's getting my late no doubt about it we don't know what all they talked about one of them might have said I'm getting hungry another guy could have said if I don't get home my wife's gonna be mad we don't know what they talked about but there's plenty of indication that they had a little talk on the side of the hill before they came to him, because they had already formulated a leak proof package of logical persuasion. Jesus saw a large crowd, he felt compassion, observed them as sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them many things. The disciples coming from a different direction say, This is a remote place, and it's already very late. Therefore, we make a motion that you send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Man, wasn't that holy and noble and sanctified of those boys to be so concerned about all those folks in the empty tummy. Jesus smelled something fishy. He says, you give them something to eat. He didn't rebuttal their argument when they said this is a remote place. Jesus could have said, no, no. We're only an hour from town, forget about it. And they said, it's getting pretty late. He said, no, you got another 45 minutes of daylight. Just chill, we're okay. He didn't say a word. He just let them talk from their perspective. And when they proposed, send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat, he vetoed their motion. Now, if you have historically assumed and visualized with folded palms and tilted head, and gentle smile and kindly tone. In pastoral demeanor, Jesus suggested perhaps we may survey the crowd and discover what we could share with one another. No way. I looked it up. It carries the meaning of one who stomped his foot and put his finger in their face, put his hand on his waist and raised his voice. It carries the tone, all right. If you guys are so all fired, concerned about all these people in the empty stomach, feed them yourself. About that time, the treasurer passed out. And the chairman of the finance committee quickly calculated whoa, eight months of a man's wages wouldn't buy a sandwich for this crowd. You know, in some churches, I get the idea, there's always been someone. Like those disciples that said, We can't afford it, it's not in the budget, we never did it that way before. Did you know some Nazarenes are so minded they can see through a keyhole with both eyes? Pig, cow! Jesus saw a large crowd and felt compassion, observing them as sheep without a shepherd, so what? So he began teaching them many things. The disciples coming from a different direction, reading on a different page, say, Hey, it's late, it's remote, send them away so they can go, and us too, and get something to eat. And Jesus said, if you really care about him, feed him yourself. And the first thing out of their mouth in response to his magnanimous idea was it's going to cost too much. You know what's really funny about that response? Who it was they were objecting to, standing right next to him on the side of the hill. Who was that? The one that made the hill they were standing on. I've mentioned it before this week. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And here they are, objecting to Jesus Christ, God's Son, co-creator with the Father in eternity, incarnate in human flesh, saying they couldn't afford a sandwich for that crowd. He said, how many loaves you have? They couldn't tell him. He said, well, go find out. These guys were tired and hungry. They'd been with the Lord in ministry and travel all day long. It's near sundown. They're hungry. They want to get home for supper. And Jesus vetoed their motion and sent them on a scavenger hunt at dusk without a flashlight. The first lesson from the passage is you and I cannot always assume that our perspective is well matched to the Lord's perspective. Every once in a while, we need to allow the Holy Spirit, to pick up some divine remote control and change the channel like you do on your television. On our own perspective. And it'd be a quite healthy prayer for us to say, Lord, help me to see my life from your perspective. How do you see me individually on my interior life where no one else but you can look? How do you see me in my marriage? How do you see me in the home? How do you see me with my kids or my parents? How do you see me on the job or in the school? How do you see me in the neighborhood? How do you see me in the church? What's your perspective of me? Every once in a while, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to change a channel and our perspective. Why? Pig! Cow! Perspective makes a difference because it affects our thoughts and our attitudes and our behavior and eventually the end result. Well, that's not the end of the story if you read the same story in the other Gospels you get a little bit more what goes on they scattered among the hillside a couple of disciples bumped into a schoolboy with a sack lunch and I think there was a conversation we don't have every bit of minutiae in detail but there had to been a conversation hey kid what you got in your sack this is my lunch Whoa! Jesus wants your lunch Say what? Jesus wants your lunch. What would you do if you was that kid? How many here tonight would be tempted to say, mm, "Tell him I'll split it with him." Did you know there's no miracle when we compromise a full surrender of everything we are to God and his will and his holy purposes for us? The kid was human it's okay to be human I looked the whole crowd over we're all human here don't see any extraterrestrials and in our humanness we have flaws and this kid with a sack lunch had to make a choice I think it was a voluntary surrender I mean anybody here think they mugged the kid and ripped off his lunch I guess that's what you call taking an offering. In my travels, I've tried to train younger pastors, receive the offering, don't take it. I don't do too well, though. It was a voluntary choice. In my mind, I see a schoolboy with a tilted head and a squinted eye. The sunset's orange glow lit his cheek. I can see him raise his arm an inch at a time trying to be cooperative, but habitually selfish, a bit hesitant, but wanting to be compliant, thinking of his own needs, but trying to be generous. It's okay to be conflicted in a moment of choice, but sooner or later, we got to vote. Whose perspective are we going to pursue? In my mind, I see that boy, one finger after the other, relax the stranglehold of his meager assets. That's a wonderful photo of sanctified living. Absolute, uncompromised, thorough compliance, surrender and obedience, consecration and dedication to God and His holy purposes for our lives. Well, you know the rest of the story boys brought the sack of lunch to the Lord. He looked up, gave thanks, broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples. Also divided the two fish among them all. And Mark concludes his story with the words, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And it happened because Jesus vetoed the narrow-minded, selfish, small-thinking motion and perspective of those disciples. First thing to think about is pig, cow. You and I cannot always assume that our perspective is well-matched to the Lord's perspective. And occasionally, it behooving for us to call time out in our normal routines and step aside and have a private, intimate visit with the Lord and discern, how do you see my life? What's your perspective of me in all its aspects and details? But the second issue from this passage is not only perspective, pig and cow, but it's also the issue of surrender. Are you currently positioned in your relationship with Jesus Christ where you can truthfully say, in imitation of the schoolboy with a sack lunch, you've made an uncompromised, thorough, compliant surrender of everything you are and have to have sovereign will and purposes for your life? Right this very second... In God's mind is a great idea what your life would look like, what my life would look like if fully harmonized and thoroughly compliant and updated and uncompromised obedience to Him and His divine strategy for us. You and I could be the bottleneck and the miracle that God intends to meet the needs of a multitude because of our stranglehold on our meager assets or our selfish earthly perspectives. We're going to share an invitation song. And during this invitation song, I one more time I'd like to extend to you a cordial invitation to come and talk to the Lord about the issues that are timely, pertinent, relevant in your relationship with Him. Some of you may need to come and talk to the Lord about the issue of perspective, pig, cow. Knowing that your perspective will affect your thoughts and your thoughts affect your attitudes. Your attitudes will influence your behavior and behavior will affect the end result. And what corrections are merited in your personal life? The interior You, that only God can see. Your personal character, who you are and what you're all about when you're all alone. What does that say about your relationship with your family, or your school, or your job, or your church, your neighborhood, your community? Some of you may need to come and talk to the Lord about this issue of perspective. Others might be advantaged to come and talk to the Lord about the issue of surrender. It's one thing to know the Lord as your personal Savior. It's something substantially beyond that to live a daily consecrated life. cleansed from inherited willfulness, filled with the Holy Spirit, and separated for His exclusive ownership and possession. Well, the top priority of your heart is to please Him and do His will and be the person He wants you to be. And eventually that requires a relaxation of our stranglehold on our meager human assets. Please stand and bow your heads. And as you bow your head before we sing, would you listen to the gentle, loving, caring whisper of the Holy Spirit? He's not here to nag you or hassle you. He's not here in some intimidating influence. He's your friend. He's got a delightful plan and purpose and intention for you and your tomorrows that will be realized in its fullest potential when we become aligned to his perspective and have an updated, thorough surrender to Him and His purposes. While we share the invitation song, Change My Heart, O God. If you'd like to pray, you're welcome to Step to the Island. Come forward right now.
1: Change my heart, O oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O oh God.
0: And
1: may I be like you. You are the Change my heart, oh God, and make it ever true. Change my heart. Oh
3: Thank God for His presence tonight. In His gentle, tender way, the Holy Spirit has visited with us from the Scriptures. Aren't you glad that He doesn't nag or guilt trip us? But He coaches us. I heard one church leader describe the Holy Spirit's work in our life like a, a GPS make a wrong turn. Still, small voice says, recalculating. Make a U-turn. He's not here to nag you. He is here to help us recalculate and make some directional corrections. There may be others who want to pray. It's your call. The last thing any of us need are any humanly manipulative guilt trips. But if you sense the Lord whisper to your heart and put His finger on a need, this is a premium opportunity for you and the Lord to have a visit. You may come. We'll sing it one more time.
1: Change my heart, O oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart.
2: why don't we gather in around those who've prayed and maybe you just want to come and spend some time in prayer yourself. But let's gather in and pray. And, and then after we've had an opportunity to move from out of the pews, you can be seated. We're going to take a few minutes. It's, it's 10 till 8. We have time to pray. And I want to give you just some space to pray. We just stop and give you thanks for your presence here Lord may we never take for granted the opportunity to pray the opportunity to, to hear from you and to, to speak to you and, and know that you hear and that you care Lord we're thankful for conviction, for the drawing of the Holy Spirit, that when we have made a wrong turn, you don't let us just go on our way, but you gently stop us, remind us, call us, forgive us. Lord, sometimes we just, uh, we get busy and distracted. In our distraction, Lord, we, we end up on a wrong road. Sometimes it's sin. It's disobedience. But Lord, even when we sin, your word says, if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just, and you will forgive us our sins. So wherever we find ourselves tonight, there's hope that God did not leave us to our own means and to our own ability. He didn't leave us to our own way. But he sent his son to die in our place so that we could be forgiven, redeemed, reborn. And you didn't leave it with just a, an event in history that gave us forgiveness for sins and the possibility of heaven but Lord you sent your Holy Spirit so even now in this place we can be fully in your presence through the work of the Holy Spirit so now Lord help us when we stop and consider all that you've done so that we might have life may we seize hold of this great opportunity today while we may enter into your rest may we do it fully Lord there's nothing that we're holding on to that's better than you and everything that we let go of and allow you to grab hold of us instead Lord it just leads us to to greater life and greater purpose you will enliven every relationship we have. You will give us hope in every circumstance if we can just fully turn it over to you. So Lord, help me. As pastor, as, as, as leader here, Lord, that, that there not be anything in my life that takes priority over you. And Lord, if there is, reveal it. And Lord, every person in this room, I, I pray... Just for a fresh awareness, any priority that is keeping them from fully serving you. Now, Lord, I give you thank for tonight. There, there's a sweet spirit at this place, and I just want to stay. But we can't. Eventually we're gonna have to stand up and we're gonna have to walk out those doors. And we're going to have to make a decision that the commitments that we've made at altars and in chairs are not just commitments that we're going to make in a service, but commitments that will deal with the realities of life with family and at work and at school, in restaurants, driving on roads, wherever we find ourselves. May we make you number one. And as we allow you to be Lord, may we um, experience the peace, the life that only you can bring. And Lord, I'm going to give you thanks for what you've done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless.